If you have your New Testament, I'd like for you to read with me tonight. I want to read in the epistle of 2 Timothy, chapter 4. The letter written to Timothy, 2 Timothy, chapter 4. I think it... Uh, that Jesus uh, had, a, had the ability to preach and he had ability to teach and he did both. Someone said that good preaching uh, is directed to the heart to inspire us and good teaching is directed to the head to uh, inform us and doing both is challenging and edifying and I think that's true. I want to talk tonight about dealing with the problem of loneliness. A few years ago, the Beatles came out with a song, Ah, look at all those lonely people. Loneliness is um, something, is an experience that each of us has known or is knowing. There are a lot of lonely people. You can see them on the streets. You can um, visit them in their homes. Someone mentioned this week that... Um, the holidays are lonely times for some people, all alone and lonely. And I suppose that when we talk about, uh, you know, the, the disease of loneliness, we're talking right down where we are living. Would you follow with me as I read chapter 4, verse 9? Make every effort to come to me soon. The Apostle Paul, and there's tremendous pathos in this, in this portion of the fourth chapter as he writes to his friend Timothy, For Demas, have, having loved this present world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica, Christians has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. But Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak which I left at Troas with Carpus and the books, especially the Bible, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me in order that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles may hear. And I was delivered out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will deliver me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lancaster, the
great Methodist pastor at the Meridian Street Baptist Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Told about one time when he was in his early 20s, right out of seminary, and he was visiting an elderly lady in the church, about 80 years of age, and she was telling him about her loneliness. Her family was gone, her husband was deceased, and she was lonely. And as she would tell him about her loneliness, he would say, Yes, I understand. Yes, I understand. And after a while, she just got a little bit indignant, and she said, Young man, I want to tell you something. You might as well learn it now. You don't understand what it means to be 80 years old and lonely. And he said, what she said was only half true. I did not know what it means to be 80 years of age and all that comes with the aging process. But I did know what it means to be lonely. Who doesn't? Who has not experienced that feeling that comes in the pit of the stomach that gnaws away in the day and night called loneliness or homesickness. Who has not been lonely? I want to give you some myths that are associated with loneliness. Some myths, just in introduction. You can write it, it's not there on your worksheet, but I want to add this. Some myths about loneliness. Number one, it is impossible to experience loneliness as long as I am with someone. That's a myth. Some of the loneliest people today are people who are surrounded by others. And so we keep our calendars crammed full of community involvement to be doing things and to be with people because we have somehow felt that if I'm with someone, someone, it will guarantee immunity against the disease of loneliness. I repeat, some of the loneliest people in the world are people who are surrounded by others all the time, and they have Muzak in the, in the elevator, and they have the TV on all day just for the voices, but they're lonely. It is a myth to think that it's impossible to be lonely if I'm with somebody. Number two, I never choose to be lonely. That's a myth. There are some people who are afraid of love. That seems strange, but it's true. There are some people afraid of love. They're afraid to be hurt. They have been hurt before, perhaps. They're afraid of some kind of deep commitment or involvement. They're afraid of a deep relationship. And so they keep others at arm's length. They're afraid of love. And in keeping others at arm's length and refusing to have intimacy in relationships, they are choosing to be lonely. Number three. There is a connection between my loneliness and my surroundings. That's a myth. 
your surroundings have little or nothing to do with loneliness. Now there's a difference between loneliness and boredom. Some of you know what boredom is. It's what you experience when the preacher's not prepared on Sundays. And there's a difference between boredom and loneliness. Sometimes our surroundings can create boredom, but our surroundings have little to do with our loneliness. So that you can take that trip to the other side of the, of the earth, or you can move across town or to another neighborhood, and you can change your surroundings, and you will not change your loneliness. Number four, loneliness and being alone are the same thing. That's a myth. There are some people who are alone all of the time who are not lonely. I didn't really know that or understand that until one day I was out visiting in, in a home and I was sharing with this saintly woman. Her husband had died a few months before and I was just trying to encourage her. And I was saying to her something about, I'll be praying for you. I know you're lonely. She said, no, I'm alone, but I'm never lonely. There are some folks who have uh, chosen solitude, who live apart from others, who never are related, you know, in a close relationship with some folk. They have no real uh, elbow-to-elbow experiences, but they are not lonely. It's a, it's a myth to think that loneliness and aloneness are the same. They are not. Now with that kind of introduction, let's look at the outline at some of the causes of loneliness. And I want to try to find them in the text. You know, it's exciting just to take the scripture and try to, you know, just look down and let it, just let it be broken open and speak, isn't it? It's exciting to see God's Word. And, and, and it's amazing and true that God's Word fits and is applicable in each and every situation of life, even loneliness. It's also true that the Apostle Paul, perhaps the greatest servant of God, was lonely. So don't feel unique. Number one, the first cause in your outline, just Paul's situation, cause for loneliness. The first cause of loneliness is the desertion or disappointment of a cherished friend. The desertion or the disappointment of a cherished friend or by a cherished friend. And the Apostle Paul said, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. That word forsaken there is a pregnant word. It means to abandon. It means to leave in the lurch. It means disappointment. And if you want to trace back the uh, story of Demas, you'll just find him mentioned two other places. One in the book of Colossians and one in the little letter to Philemon. And there's just a reference to him there. But he was a follower of the Apostle Paul and a disciple of Jesus Christ and a follower of God. And having loved this present world, he deserted the Apostle 
and he deserted the kingdom work and left the apostle in the lurch. Now it was tragic that this man turned his back on, on the ministry and went back on his commitment to service. But the most tragic thing that the apostle feels is that it left the apostle in the lurch. He, it disappointed him. It put him in jeopardy and the work in jeopardy. And he was deeply disappointed. I sat down and talked to her. She was the loneliest person I've met, perhaps. And she talked about her divorce. And her husband had left her. They were active in the church and were leaders in the work. And her husband one day just decided he didn't love her anymore and left her. It broke her heart. But the thing that was the most devastating out of that separation and divorce was the deep disappointment that she felt for her husband. Such a deep disappointment. She had put so much confidence in him and he left her in the lurch with her children to raise. Disappointment left her in jeopardy in the lurch. Sometimes loneliness is the result of that. Someone deeply disappoints us that we've counted on so deeply, that we've put such confidence in, and they leave us in the lurch. Number two, the loss or the absence of a cherished friend. And in that same tenth verse, he talks about Titus, to Dalmatia and Crescens to Galatia and all of his friends had gone on and he was left alone with Luke. The absence of a cherished friend. Psychologists call this separation anxiety and it's the feeling that comes when all of a sudden we're separated from family, our loved ones, our places, our people, our things, or even pets. And that separation anxiety begins to sweep over us like waves, great waves. And the loneliness that is the result of the separation from friends or cherished things. I know a woman who died two months after her husband died, to the month, to the day. And whatever the coroner or the, the, um, the funeral director put on the burial policy as the cause of death, I don't know, but I know what caused her death, her separation from her loved one, loneliness. And sometimes this even takes place when we move away from somewhere and we feel so lonely for a while because we're separated. Number three, dwelling on the memory of a past conflict or mistake. Now it just kind of leaped out at me. Look at verse 11. Pick up Mark and bring him with you. I want us to go back and relive that experience that the Apostle had with Mark, John Mark. And the first time we'll see it, if you'll flip over, to, is the 12th chapter of the book of Acts. 
And beginning at verse 24, we'll read verses 24 and 25 of the 12th chapter of the book of Acts. But the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their mission, taking along with them John, who was also called Mark. Now, look at chapter 13, verse 13. We'll see another reference there to him. Now Paul and his companions came to Perga in Pamphylia and John left them, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. He, 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 took, a, he took a break from them. Now flip over to the 15th chapter of the book of Acts at verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. You know, that's a pretty good um, thing for evangelists to do. To go back where they've been, see how it's going. And Barnabas was desirous of taking John, called Mark, along with them also. Let's take this young man along with us who had left them earlier. But Paul kept on insisting that they should not take him along with them, along who had deserted them in Pamphylia, and had gone with them to, uh, to the work, had not gone with them to the work. And there arose such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. And the split came between Paul and Barnabas over Mark, and, and the theologian, the commentators say that they never got back together again. Now I don't know what chapter 4, verse 11 says to you, but it says to me that all through this time the Apostle Paul was dwelling on that conflict, and it was deeply troubling him the problem that had arisen between him and Barnabas over Mark and his desertion. Sometimes that creates loneliness. Dwelling on a past mistake and living on a past failure. Number four, loneliness is caused by the hurt of another. Verse 14. The Apostle Paul had been hurt. I wonder if you, um, I wonder if you understand that or realize that today. That preachers are human beings and have feelings and are sometimes deeply hurt. I wonder if you knew that. I suppose that there is not a day passes that a pastor is not with people 
I mean he's surrounded with them and his ministry and work involves them. And sometimes those pastors can be the loneliest people in the world simply because in their relationships with others they have been hurt by somebody. Deeply hurt. And their hurt is where you can't rub it, it's down deep inside. He was hurt by this coppersmith. And if you'll do some uh, investigation, you'll find that this man not only opposed the Apostle Paul, but he, he told things about him that were half-truths and untrue to get him in trouble, and it hurt him. I don't suppose that the Apostle Paul ever got over that heartache. And number five, loneliness is caused sometimes by the opposition that comes against something I believe in deeply. And so the Apostle Paul says in verse 15, they vigorously opposed our teaching. There's sometimes when a man has to stand alone because of what he believes. And when he stands alone and no one stands with him, that's the loneliest feeling in all the world. Now what are the re requests? What can be done tonight about loneliness? I'll give you five or six and then I'll quit. Number one, make every effort to develop and cultivate an intimate friendship. Make every effort to develop and to cultivate intimate relationships. Verse 9, make every effort to come to me soon. What play is it? You've heard this little song many times. It was just so popular as a sermon illustration. A song is not a song. A bell is not a bell till you ring it. A song is not a song till you sing it. And love is not love till you give it away. Eric Fromm in his marvelous book, The Art of Loving, says, and from the time you are chi a child till you're ten years old, you have a tremendous need to, to be loved. But after you're ten years old, says Eric Fromm, the need shifts and you have a tremendous need to love. The loneliest people in the world are the people who refuse to love. They are the people who have decided to stop loving. Develop intimate friendships. Develop intimate relationships. Oh, what a glorious church is it when people learn to love one another and to share the deep of the heart. And I've seen it true in marriages that they're just not that kind of intimacy that's deep and, and where there is honesty and openness to share and there's loneliness. You can't live alone. Number two, 
make a conscious effort to repair broken relationships. Verse 11. He said, I want you to bring Luke with, make Mark with you, for he is profitable in service. And old, the old apostle is doing his best to repair the broken relationship. And I don't know what happened when Mark brought, was brought, got there, but I can just imagine what happened in that cell. I imagine that Mark and the apostle embraced and I can hear the Apostle Paul saying, Mark, I'm sorry. I was too impatient. I was too judgmental. I was too hasty. I want you to forgive me if you can. Is there a broken relationship tonight? Is there a problem in the past? Make every effort possible to repair that broken relationship and there is one thing positive that comes out of the loneliness of the apostle, and that is that he developed out of it a loving and forgiving spirit. Bring Mark with you. We need him. Number three, make friends with the Scripture. Verse 13. When you come bring the cloak which I left at Troas, I don't have a coat and it's cold, and the books, my library, I'm bored and I need something to read. But especially bring the scripture, the parchments. Do you see that? Do you find that in the, do you, do you recognize what he's saying? I'm willing to face the cold winter without a coat. And I'm willing to face the, alone, the aloneness of my cell without my library. But I'm not, a, I'm not willing to face this without the Word of God. And William Tyndall was imprisoned simply because he chose to translate the Scripture in the native language. And he wrote from his prison, For Jesus' sake, bring me a warmer cap and something to patch my leggings, and a woolen shirt. But above all, above all, bring my Hebrew Bible. For the great men, when the chill breath of death is on them, and they're facing the hours of, aloneness, of lo aloneness and separation, they are not willing to face it without the Word of God to give courage and strength. To the spirit. I'm looking into the faces of uh, some saints out there, elderly, that little row right there of godly women there. If I went in their house, I'm pretty sure that the most cherished thing in their house is this right here I'm holding up. And my mother lives alone. I'm always, I was always aware that she read her Bible. But I am absolutely certain that she's never been in the Word of God like she has been in the seven years since my father died. And early in the morning, 
she's up. And late at night, she's up. Not because she has to read her scripture, but because she's found a friend in these pages. A cure for loneliness is to make friends with the scripture, is to find the word of God. For the word of God, heaven and earth may pass away, but the word of God abides forever. And he speaks out of his word in the days and in the nights. He's a, that's a friend there, the word. Number four. Begin to give some, uh, some encouragement and support to others. Look at verse 15. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. You know what Paul is saying? Paul, Paul, what Paul is doing? He's watching out for the welfare of others. Isn't it amazing that when we begin to commit our lives to watching out for the welfare of others, and we begin to involve ourselves in the ministry of others, we begin to forget about our loneliness. And the more we commit ourselves to the caring of others, and the more we commit ourselves to ministry, I'm not, just, I'm not talking about just busyness and activities. I'm talking about caring and watching for others then we don't, we're not near as lonely. We started here in our church what we call a telephone reassurance program or ministry where people have agreed to call others every day to see how they're doing. And I have this confidence that it is not only helpful to the people who are receiving the call and they're being checked on to see if their health is all right, if they've fallen, etc. But I have every confidence that it's being, it is ministering to the caller because the more we care about others, the less we have to worry about ourselves. Isn't that right? And then finally, I add one more. Learn how to trust the resources of God. Verse 18, the Lord will deliver me. Etymologists say that the word goodbye is really a contraction of the words God be with you. Now that no longer means the same to us when we say goodbye, God be with you. But I think that that our goodbyes would be less and less painful if we begin to recognize the meaning of that word, that God is with us. And I tell you, you can endure the absence of others if you have confidence in the presence of God. The absence of others is not so severe and painful if you have confidence in His presence. And so somebody asked Martin Luther one day, what are you going to do when everybody stands against you, when the princes and the clergy and the rulers turn against you? Where will you be then? 
And Martin Luther said, I'll be then where I am now in the hands of Almighty God. Wherever we are, whatever the situation, we can trust and depend on the resources of God. Everybody else forsakes. But nevertheless, God stood with me and delivered me. Is there anybody here tonight who could give testimony who would ever say that just when I needed him most, he was not there? I think our testimony would be, Ms. Staten, Ms. Mesa, some of these would be, wherever I have found myself, in whatever state I have found God, to be adequate. I went in a veterans administration hospital one night, late at night. I went down in the lobby and sat down. I was waiting. And there was a Bible laying there on the table. And I picked it up. And it just opened up to the 37th Psalm. I could tell it had been opened there many times. The page was soiled, greasy, where hands had held it open and read. This verse underlined, I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And so the cure for loneliness is to trust the delivering, redeeming presence of God. We're going to pray and we're going to give invitation tonight. There might be some who need to come tonight to rededicate themselves to Christ. And there might be some who would come to say, we want to place our life here in this church. And there might be some who would come to say, I am all alone in this world, and I want the presence of the living God to indwell me. I want to receive Christ as my Savior. After we've prayed, we'll invite you to come. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Wherever we are in this world, you are there. That we are alone, but never alone. You're present to deliver, to strengthen, to guide us. We thank you that your word is abiding, living. And we're grateful that it is possible for us to have deep friendships even in the church. There are people who care about us. And Father, we come to you tonight to, to acknowledge and to say that we need you, we trust you, we place our life before you, depend on you. And we ask you, Father, to minister now to our hearts 
and call, Father, to yourself, decisions and deciders. Because we pray it in the name of our Lord and Savior and for his sake, we ask it.